Hello and welcome to the Investing on the Go podcast brought to you by Fund Calibre. I'm James Yardley. I'm joined today by James Baker, the Elite Rated Manager of the MI Chelverton UK Equity Growth Fund. James, thank you very much for joining us. Thanks for having me along. It feels like it was only yesterday um, when you were just launching the fund, and yet here we are five years later. Um, what is your outlook for uh, UK equities today? Yeah, it's um, it's interesting. We've had a very strong rally in the last quarter in the UK equity market um, with the sort of a, with the election of a of a majority government, which means we've got some clarity going forwards on Brexit. And I think there are going to be both kind of both UK and kind of global uh, sort of influences on the on the UK equity market this year. And looking at the UK first, so. We've had this very strong rally in UK domestic cyclicals, which we're getting very oversold, you know, over a period of time since the Brexit vote back in June 16. And I think it's not just that sort of people were worrying about Brexit. It's I think companies had got to the point where um, they were doing nothing because of so much uncertainty about the, the future direction yes. of the economy. So so I think with a with a with a with the majority government. I think that has sort of provided more clarity. So there's a partly a rally from that. And there's also a relief rally because we've got a, a relatively business-friendly government, uh, which might not have been the case, of course, if, if, it, you know, if we'd had a, had a socialist government or a socialist minority government. So the real question now for this, what I'd say is the sort of the more domestic equities, which are in the smaller mid-cap area, which we, we tend to look at as a, as a fund management group, is um, you know, how can that rally be sustained? Yes. In the very short term, the news flow from UK companies is probably going to be quite poor because what you've got is companies reporting on Q4 2019 data when the economy had pretty much been grinding to a halt because we had an election going on, so people were doing very little. Um, the benefit of the election of the economy is that the pounds rallied a bit. That gives the consumer a bit more spending power. I think people would be a bit more confident in terms of consumer confidence. Now we know the direction that we're going in going forwards. Uh, but what we really need to sustain that rally that we saw in the UK domestic names is for companies' prospects to start improving on the back of that. You know, if companies and consumers to spot, start spending a bit more money to get the economy going again, and obviously the government spending a bit of money to help the economy get going again. And I certainly think that's a lever the government will be pulling in the short term. So, so yes, we might have a little bit of a pause in, yeah. in the UK domestic stocks while we get some bad news out of the way from Q4 of last year before we kind of get the glimmers of light that we're looking for, which can push those quite oversold equities sort of, you know, maintain the momentum uh, in those companies' share prices. UK equity, you know, valuations of the UK all share still not that demanding in a historical context. I think we're on about 13 and a half times prospective earnings for the all share, which in a historical context... How is that split between the sort of the growth companies and perhaps some of the more UK domestic value names, which have struggled so much yeah. in recent years? Are you finding, has that narrowed a bit? I it has. We've seen some of the growth companies, perhaps the overseas earnings, come off a little bit last yeah. at the end of last year and some yeah. of the domestics doing a bit better. I, yes, I think, you know, I think the... The valuation gap has narrowed a bit, certainly mid caps, which are very easy for larger funds to buy into to get some domestic exposure, have performed very strongly. So, you know, mid caps are probably up to about 15 and a half times earnings. Uh, the aim market is, you know, is, is, is relatively sort of is slightly pricier. The UK 
small cap area itself is still quite lowly valued, and that contains a lot of these domestic right. names. But we have seen a bit of a correction uh, in, you know, in the valuation gap. Um, in terms of, sort of international influences, you know, actually the industrials have started to recover a little bit because we've obviously seen, um, you know, the, the sort of the trade war between the US and China, you know, talks on that have been making some progress recently. It looks like there may be a resolution. It's probably what Trump needs, you know, for his election prospects. Yeah. And that's quite helpful f- for the overseas industrials. I suppose the worry is in the States is we do have an election this year, so we don't know what that's going to bring. And also, I think that Trump may well turn his sort of trade war guns on Europe next. We've seen signs of that already. And that may bear down on some of these industrial names again as we go through 2020. Yes. Um, I mean, you've recently added some domestic facing uh, companies to your portfolio. Um, can you talk us through a, a couple of examples? Yeah, yeah. As I said earlier, we, you know, we've been very, un- we've actually been very underweight domestic names post the Brexit vote, which served us incredibly well. Yeah. Um, but but coming through this year, we're be- we're beginning to feel a little bit exposed to not having any exposure. Um, we already had a very small holding in top styles, which we kept throughout the throughout this sort of poor trading period. For the UK domestic names, just because we think it's got a very strong market position, you know, but we weren't adding to that holding. It became a fairly de minimis holding in the portfolio. And so from the mid-year, we've been building that up into a more meaningful holding again. So it's now a more, you know, normally weighted holding in the fund. You know, we like Top Stars. It's in the name. You know, it is the market, UK residential market leading tile company. It's got about 30% market share. It's a very strong business in terms of its supply chain. You know, it's got a good online presence. But I think with what we like about tiles and as well with DFS furniture is that you want to see a tile before you buy it and put it in your home. Uh, so there is a sort of, there is a reason to be omni-channel just as you probably yeah, want so to sit on a sofa before you spend a thousand pounds. So I think there's resilience to the model. Yeah. And the other interesting thing, thing with Top Tiles is they've decided that they want to enter the commercial tile market as well. So this is for restaurants, hotels, you know, offices, and of course, because they have their own, uh, you know, very strong supply chain for the residential market, uh, they'll probably have a very competitive offer for the commercial markets. They've made a couple of small acquisitions there, you know, to get them access to the commercial buyer, the specifiers. And that kind of adds another growth dynamic to tops. So what we had was a very cheap um, kind of uh, UK domestic name, which would benefit from any pickup in consumer spending. Um, and then you've got the added growth dimension of if they can make success of the commercial market. And just referring back to what I said earlier, you know, their, their Q4 numbers in 2019 have, were pretty weak because of the election. They've just started to see turnover pick up post the election, which is what we wanted to see. Um, you asked for two examples. I did touch on DFS, which we have been topping up as well, but another take, new holding uh, that we've started is something called Ten Entertainment, which may uh, be familiar with one or two of, of the listeners. So Ten Entertainment is the number two 10-pin uh, bowling company in the UK behind Hollywood Bowl. All right. Uh, and, you know, this is a very cash-generative business. Um, you know, it's a cash spend Unlike the restaurant market, which we which kind of got oversaturated and which had all sorts of problems as a result of that, you know, there are only two major players in bowling. There are only 300 sites in the UK. 
And it's sort of it's one of these sort of family act affordable family activities where which is proving to be more and more popular, you know, because Hollywood Bowl and Ten Entertainment are coming up with kind of new interesting ways to attract people into their bowling alleys. Um, you know, it gets the family out at an affordable price, it gets the kids off the mobile phones, and it's not a very heavily saturated market. So Ten Entertainment have the opportunity to buy out some of the independents at attractive valuations and also to open some new sites so they can deploy their cash flow to grow the business. Oh, very interesting. And uh, mergers and acquisitions are always a possibility with small and medium-sized companies. Um, possibly more so today as UK companies are looking quite cheap compared to their overseas peers. And obviously, we've seen that this fall in the pound until recently. Um, have you seen much M&A recently? And then are you expecting more? Going yes, I think, I think we will. We have been seeing more. So in 2018, the, f- the fund I run had no bids. My colleague had a few bids in his fund. In 2019, we've had quite a number of companies bid for, um, uh, partly because UK assets have been so cheap. So we've seen overseas buyers take out Dairy Crest, for example, who, who make yeah. Cathedral City, the market-leading cheddar. A Canadian business bought that. Uh, we've seen private equity take over Tarsus, another holding of ours, um, which is an exhibitions company. And we've seen another other impro- approaches and takeovers. That quietened down during, even in the summer, it was highly active. We were seeing one or two bids a week. Quietened down during the electoral period because I think everyone was worried about political uncertainty. But certainly now we've got a sort of a business-friendly government. As you said, the UK equity market is still quite attractive. Um, I think we'll see more M&A activity from, from private equity and overseas buyers. Yeah, it'll certainly be something interesting to watch going yeah. forward over the next year. Um, and, and you did a history degree at university. Um, they say that while history doesn't repeat itself, it often rhymes. Um, having been an investor for 30 years, do you find this to be true? And, uh, and do you look at the history of a company in any way when you're considering its future prospects? Yes. Um, I mean, I think we look at history of a company for its sort of, you know, its sustainable kind of margin characteristics. But, but to refer back to the original question, um, sometimes history does repeat itself and there certain are patterns in history. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's just interesting to be aware of those patterns and they apply also, I think, to, um, to investing. I mean, a history, de- a history degree is all about sifting through a lot of information, uh, to identify what is relevant for your argument. And, you know, the same can be said of investment. And, yes. and also if you then become confident of your own position on a stock, you know, stock market is very fashionable. Companies come in and out of fashion. Mm-hmm. But if you're confident that a company is a, a, is a good, sound business and is out of fashion, you know, that can provide you with great value opportunities. Just as when, you know, ratings get carried away in certain sectors or for certain companies, management teams become very popular, you know, that doesn't necessarily go on forever. And that's just worth remembering as well. So I think, you know, history is, is quite a relevant thing to have, a, a relevant discipline uh, to have uh, uh, to have experienced to then apply to the investment field. Great. Well, thank you very much for joining us, James. It's been a fantastic first five years and hopefully the next five yeah. will be just as good. Thanks for having me along. Um, and thank you very much to our listeners for listening. I'm James Yardley. And if you'd like to listen more to more of our Investing on the Go podcasts, please subscribe to Fund Calibre. Please remember we've been discussing individual companies to bring investing to life for you. It's not a recommendation to buy or sell. 
The fund may or may not still hold these companies at your time of listening.